Okay, if you heard a little bit of a pause here, we were on a roll. We've learned about our uh, our podcast platform that after 30 minutes, you're done. So, <laughs> so we're going to jump right in. I, I don't know if we'll add these two together uh, or if we'll make this a part two. Right. Uh, but right now, we'll, we'll assume it's part two. What right. we were sort of closing off on the political side that these ex-evangelicals are right, dealing right. with. And then we started talking about some of most of them, I would say, when I read through, um, had almost the same questions, big questions that they had dealt with. How do I, how do I uh, gel this Old Testament God mm. who asked for the killing, asked Abraham to kill his son wow. uh, and wiped out supposedly millions or thousands or whatever it was the popular, of people yeah. in a flood yeah. to this new Jesus in the New Testament who says, I'm only doing what my father says. And we have this loving, all-encompassing, uh, full love picture here yeah. compared to this, uh, you know, this father God who looked evil in some mm. ways to us. And they never really got a good answer for that. Oh, wow, you're just di you're, you're diving right <laughs> in the deep end here, uh, yeah. coming off the Olympic uh, uh, <laughs> theological diving board. Yeah. yeah. In, in, in our in our the first half of our discussion in the last podcast, we were <clears throat> we began by talking about these ex-evangelicals, um, yeah. younger, typically millennial uh, uh, Christians, professing Christians, uh, who are l leaving their traditional Christian faith in its traditional context because of cultural and political concerns. We talked a bit about that. Uh, and now we're, we're moving into the, you know, the theological and yeah. exegetical uh, concerns that are motivating them to look elsewhere for answers. And I don't want us to limit our, our thinking to just ex-evangelicals. Right. What we're talking about here could apply to anyone who is struggling with their faith as it was passed down to them. Yeah. And Rob, and it just, this just crossed my mind is something that I think plays into this too. So many times we use these sayings like God is in control, mm. you know, and, and we hear that something, something is going on. There's a pandemic mm. and people will say, don't worry about it. God is in control. Right. Uh, and, uh, you know, there's a theological debate about this yes. God in control. Uh, because if we say God is in control and he, and meaning he is in control of everything, mm. then maybe God, we put a lot of things on God's shoulders that are not necessarily his. Right. Uh, and there's, and I think some of what I read in some of these guys, uh, questions is they wondered about that. If God's in control, did he also cause nine 11? Did he do this? Mm. Uh, did he, does he cause the earthquakes and all this? And how do we, do that. So, uh, I, I'll tell you just my position is, all is evolved. Um, interesting word that to, <laughs> to say, maybe God is in charge hmm. supremely, but he left us in control. Right. Um, you know, if we really take Jesus's words at what he said, then a lot of this is on our shift. Yeah. Uh, a lot of these things are, he did, he gave us all the tools. He gave us everything we need, but I think that's part of it in too. We, I think we need to be much more careful of saying God is in control. 
and he's up there with, behind the curtain pulling all the levers. Right. Be careful because if he pulls the levers, he's pulling all of them. Right. And, so. and, and what you're alluding to here is uh, sort of the classical problem of evil. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If God is both all good and all powerful, then why do people suffer? Yeah. Why do bad things happen to to good people? Yeah. Uh, is the way that this this idea is classically formulated and. Really and the good thing, folks, is Rob's going to answer all these questions for us tonight. <laughs> so in the next... No. <laughs> hardly, hardly. Um, false advertising. Um, and, and this is probably the primary, primary theological issue yeah. with which people wrestle and over which they grow disillusioned with the sort of pat, easy, naive Sunday school answers that they are given uh, to this very legitimate question with which high-powered philosophers and theologians have wrestled without an airtight conclusion for millennia now. Yeah. Um, sadly, most of our theological, our popular theological systems abhor mystery. Mm -hmm. We like to have all of our ducks in a row, all of our T's crossed uh, and our I's dotted. And frankly, this this question of the problem of evil doesn't lend itself to that kind of nice, neat, simple answer. Yeah. Um, life is messy. Life is complicated. Uh, and most of us tend to struggle with the theology of our youth when we come to grips with, at some point, the messiness of life uh, and how... <clears throat> These kind of pat Sunday school answers just don't provide uh, a satisfying explanation for the world around us. Uh, and, and we feel ill-equipped to try to minister Jesus to mm -hmm. others that we see struggling with um, the death of a parent or the tragic death of a child yeah. uh, or uh, the disillusion of a marriage uh, or... You know, you, you fill in the blank. Yep. And and I can tell you, as uh, and Rob, you know this, but uh, Lori and I lost a son when he was 24 in a, a motorcycle accident. And I had to personally struggle mm. with some of this. Uh, like, Lord, why did you take my son? And, right. uh, you know, and I went through all those theological things. The good thing is I came through there with God did provide with amazing answers mm. for that. And um, but. You know, you, you think of some of the stuff and I'm sure you've done funerals and, you know, the church in general and has come up with answers that they're in a better place now. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's going to, but they're, they're not real answers. No. And, I, and I, I, I often tell people, and I've had people call me that they know people that have lost a child and they'll call me and say, hey, how do I talk to these people? And, and the biggest advice that I can give anybody is just be there and mm. listen right don't try to give them answers right uh that it's it's they have to come to that on their own terms but the biggest thing you need to do is just listen and be there with them and sometimes maybe not say a word mm. just be there with them uh, you know that's it's a hard time to try to I, even if god had told me the answer back then i wouldn't have known and just so people know 
I don't believe that God took my son. I think God received my son um, at, at that time. But uh, that's another podcast uh, that we'll get into there. Yeah, so, in, in, in the face of those raw circumstances, those pat, overly simplistic mm -hmm. Sunday school or vacation Bible school answers uh, can almost come across as an insult. Yeah an insult to the severity of what that person is going through. It's almost like you're trivializing yeah. their pain and trivializing their trauma. We need to take a page from the playbook of Job's three friends. Mm. The best thing they did in the book of Job, the, the high watermark for their relationship with him uh, in that book was when they came and sat with him in silence yep. as he grieved. And as he wrestled with all of the loss that he experienced in the early chapters of, uh, of that book, when they began yeah. to try to offer him a theological explanation uh, is when they went off the rails. Wow. Boy, that is so true. I never really thought about that, Rob. But yeah, uh, that's, that's when it really got worse. Right. When... <laughs> and and, and, and yeah. again, let me, let me clarify. I'm not opposed right. to theological answers. To think. We, we should wrestle theologically mm -hmm. with these things. What I have grown weary of personally are the overly simplistic. Uh, we're, we're, where we're too quick to pull the theological trigger uh, in attempting to answer some of these things. We need to, to ruminate and meditate yeah. more. And, and make room within our respective systems. All of us are theologians in process. We're, we're, we're all works in progress, so to speak, theologically. But make room within the journey and make room within our respective systems for mystery. Right. Be content with, I don't know. Yeah. I wish we hear, would hear that phrase more from the pulpits. Mm. Uh, I think it almost is reassuring to people mm. uh, sometimes is because I think we end up like Job's friends, right. you know, and trying to think, come up with an answer that is really not from the Lord at that time. It's coming there from their yeah. own understanding. At yeah. the time. And, they, and I'm sure their heart at that time mm. was good. Um, but okay. Yep. I, I can see that. I yeah. mentioned at the beginning of our last podcast, that while this migration away from evangelicalism is remarkable, in my mind, it's entirely predictable. Yeah. Because I think I have walked a similar path myself. And, um, and again, ironically, it's happening to people who are coming out of an environment that is in theory because of the high view of scripture and the importance that evangel evangelicalism places on uh, the authority of scripture, um, mm -hmm. the, the, the close engagement with scripture. In principle, we're supposed to be buttressed, safeguarded against this kind of erosion, this kind of undermining of our faith. Yeah. But ironically, it is in the engagement with Scripture when we come to see that, again, the kind of simplistic Sunday school definition of the Bible, that it's God's Word from Genesis to Maps, that it contains 
Yeah. No errors. Um, and again, to clarify my position, I am, I'm a student of scripture. I'm not an enemy of scripture. Right. I'm not a critic of scripture. But as I began to study the Bible, and as I found that it was a lot more complex and complicated than I had been led to believe it was, Mm-hmm. It, it really casts doubt on the integrity of that definition of scripture, that high view of scripture that I had been given, uh, bequeathed to me by Sunday school teachers, pastors, later on Bible college professors and seminary professors. Yeah, uh, it was a close engagement with the, the 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 reality of the text. Yeah, and. And I think it's interesting, Rob, and, and I don't know if I have this fact completely, but I was, uh, and it's stuck here in the back of my head, so I'll use it, is that Jesus was asked, I think, 180 questions in mm. the New Testament, that he actually only answered three questions. Right. You know, it, it, when I think about Jesus answering questions, I, the next response I, I remember out of Jesus was, well, let me ask you a question. Mm. You know, it seemed to be his typical response. Right. So <clears throat> I think God is uh, very comfortable with us struggling mm. for the answer and wrestling with the text and finding yeah. that. And another problem I found, we with our Western uh, outlook on things, we're looking for facts and figures and we want to put it, we want bullet points. And this is exactly, this is how God created the earth. Right. He did it in seven days and he did this, this, and this. In reality, if we actually look at the text, the order is a little off. Mm. We sometimes sort of glass over that. So we got to remember this is a Middle Eastern book mm. written maybe in a story form. For years, there wasn't a written mm. text. So it had to be told from generation to generation, to story to story. Right. Um, it was a uh, it was a story of God's encounter with people, and yet we've taken it like a textbook, like it's a science book. Right. Uh, and now some of these, I think, uh, uh, ex evangelicals who came through a academic mm-hmm. uh, upbringing through college and master degrees and everything right. have been taught about science and evolution and and all these things and the trust and they've seen data yes. scientific data and everything and yet little not little things but one of the things we haven't brought up is then all of a sudden they get into an e- certain evangelical circles that say nope the earth is only six thousand years old mm. so all that stuff you got to ignore that's all right. wrong right well how do they do this they've been taught for 12 15 18 years in the academic world right. This is fact. You can mm. take this. And yet we, and then, you know, if, if you even question that or even start to look at it in some circles, ah, yeah, you know, you're way off. You know, you don't mm. believe the Bible. No, maybe it's our interpretation right? and how we're processing these things. Yeah. Maybe, maybe there's a story and a point there that we're missing because we're trying to get down in the weeds of actual put our facts together kind of thing. I, I, I was taught in Bible college and in seminary to embrace and defend an ideal, an idea about the Bible, uh, that it was a book without 
contradictions. It was a book without conflict.、Mm. It was a book that spoke harmoniously and with one voice on all matters over which it exercised an interest.、Uh, and as I began to study the Bible, both as a, a seminary student and then for twenty years as a pastor, yeah. I came to the disturbing realization that the book is a lot more complicated than I was led to believe. Now, I still have a very high view of、yeah. the scriptures, but I think I have come to a more realistic view of the Bible than the sort of simplistic, idealistic view、yeah. that I was handed in Sunday school and then Bible college and and later on. Yeah. Seminary,、yeah. um, and and I don't I don't want people to get you. You've sort of mentioned it, but just to clarify, neither Rob or I are saying that we can't go to the scripture、uh, and learn from it and glean from、absolutely. it, and that it is ordained by God. Yes, it absolutely is. But we need to be very careful, particularly with so many translations that we've had over the years, and taking a verse out and making it an absolute. Um, and it, it, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to explain that well. I, I, I'm not questioning the authority、mm-hmm. of Scripture, but I am questioning our interpretation of some of those things,、uh, and particularly when we cherry pick, right,、uh, things out of the Bible and verses. And you know, I've been in sermons, listening to sermons before, and、uh, we're reading through、uh, a verse or、uh, a, a selection of、uh, verses, and then all of a sudden. They jump to somewhere else. Well,、mm. wait a minute. We, we were reading a story here. Let's finish the story. We don't read letters one page at a time and then slip to page fifteen. Right. You know, we read that. So I think that's been part of the problem too. Well, in, in the integrity of our exegesis, the integrity of our interpretation demands that we be honest with what we have here. And when we pretend that. The Bible is something other than what it is. Really,、mm-hmm. we need to devote in future、uh, an entire podcast or maybe a series of podcasts to the nature of the Bible. Yeah, it is a book, but it's not a book like Moby Dick or War and Peace that is written by one penman、uh, and is、uh, you know a,、yeah. a continuous thought from beginning to end. It's more of a library、mm-hmm. than a book. And you have competing perspectives.、Mm-hmm. You have voices that are talking to each other, and sometimes appear to be arguing with、yeah. one another, or even with God. Or with God, <laughs> think of the imprecatory, so-called imprecatory psalms,、uh, psalms that are chastising God for His failure to keep His end of the covenant. God, we've done our part. Where are you? Our enemies are prevailing all around us. God, you failed us. Psalm eighty-eight、uh, is a primary example of this. Psalm eighty-eight ends on a a very dark note.、Um, and again, this is probably a topic for a, a, an entirely different podcast. But does faith, and faith as it's defined and illustrated within Scripture, does faith mean that you never have doubts, that、mm-hmm. 
that you、mm. never wrestle with anything. Right. I don't think so. No, I, th- yeah, I think you're absolutely right. No. From from these psalmists that are crying out, "How long, O Lord, and where are you, Lord?" To new covenant saints like John the Baptist,、yeah. who are sending word to Jesus after John was imprisoned, "Are you the Messiah, or should we look for another?" Yeah. So he had immediate doubts. Here he is proclaiming he's、yes. the one, and just a short time later, "Are you really?" Yeah. And and does Jesus disown him?、No. Uh, does you know Jesus chastise him for that struggle? No. In that very context, he declares John to be the greatest、uh, man born of woman,、uh, and、uh, but he says the least in the kingdom、yep. is greater than John. All right,、and、Robert. We're up in twenty minutes, so we know we got ten ten minutes before、uh, it cuts us off here from what we learned last time. So let me ask you this. So we have these、uh, ex-evangelicals, right? I have to hesitate before I say that each time, <laughs>、um, and they're out there. Here's my other thing: I think that we need to spend some time on is how do we need to give those folks some room, right? Like I, I get real concerned sometimes because the church sometimes attacks those folks,、mm-hmm. and all of a sudden labels them, and they get put. I, we have got to give those folks some time to struggle with that and get through this vent. As you just brought up, there are times in Scripture where,、uh, you know, in olden days they were arguing with God, and you said this, and all.、Right. I think that's what these folks, a lot of these folks, are doing.、Mm. They're in their frustration and they're crying out, "I need answers、right. to this,"、um, and we shouldn't be attacking them or defaming them. Is we should be interceding for them and. Be there with them and be for when they, you know, finally maybe come back and get some answers、right. and interceding for that,、uh, because I think sometimes as a church we forget that. Right.、Uh, we we or even some of these folks that have a falling or maybe,、uh, you know, fell into sin or whatever they did, you know, we just kick them to the curb. Right.、Uh, and we got to learn how to redeem our own. That's what we're about. We're redeeming community. And and what and what can. The church,、yeah. um, as an organism, as much as an organization, what can we learn? What can we take away from the critique、mm. of these exvangelicals as they make their way out the door?、Um, yeah. What what can we glean from their critique?、Um, first of all, with regards to, to culture, the cultural component to their disillusionment.、Um, The church has been meaner、mm-hmm. to her、uh, cultural opponents, for lack of a better word,、uh, than I think she is willing to acknowledge. Yeah, I agree.、Um, uh, the, the the church has adopted a much more hostile,、uh, condescending, self righteous posture than maybe she has any business. Adopting, yeah,、uh, both because of the beam that is plainly sticking out of her own eye as she's making the critique of the the mites in culture's eye.、Uh, yeah, we need to image Christ、mm-hmm. to both within the church and outside of the church. I, I agree. All right, Rob. I think this might be a good place to start trying to land a plane. Okay, a little bit. All right, we're, we're at twenty-three minutes in.、Uh, 
And just to, for you guys that are listening, these, even though we talked about a lot here, I think Rob and I's uh, objective is to actually, we're, we're still saying laying some groundwork. All these things that we talked about that maybe these folks are dealing with, right? we are going to jump into. Mm. So over the next few weeks, yes. uh, I don't want you guys to think, wow, yeah, these are big questions that they brought up, but I don't have any answers. We're going to try to help you through that. A lot of it has to do with covenant timing. Yes. You know, for instance, we're talking about this, this guy that asked some harsh things and did some harsh things mm. uh, in the past. A lot of that was covenant related. Mm. We asked for the, uh, the covenant on Mount Sinai. We God invited us up to the mountain to make us kings and priests. And we sort mm. of said, including us in Israel, eh, you're a little scary. I tell you what, you just give Moses some rules and we'll follow those. Mm. And so we put God in the position of being the our covenant partner, but the enforcer of that covenant Right. Uh, when uh, Israel disobeyed. So a lot of that is related in that. So that'll <laughs> probably be a podcast in yes. itself, but I want you guys that are listening to understand we're not avoiding those things right. and we're going to do this. And in some of these things you might hear Rob and I say, we just don't know. <laughs> uh, but what we will do, we plan, we've got some amazing guests we can call on yes. and we will put them in the hot seat for you guys <laughs> uh, and try to get some of these answers. So I hope this is uh, answering some of the things or making you feel a little, don't feel alone. If you're right. struggling with these, I probably think there's more people out there than you realize. Um, and we are going to stay true to our commitment. These are things you're not going to hear preach from the pulpit most mm. of the time. Right. Rob and I are going to get down to the nut and yeah. bolts of some of this stuff uh, and bring them out. So if you have anything, we we started pulling our uh, website together this uh, tonight. So hopefully we'll have that and we'll link this for you guys to be able to even send in questions or issues that you want us to deal with. Amen. So, all right, this is great, Rob. So we'll land this plane here and hopefully we'll start cranking some of these things out. To be continued. <laughs> to be, all right. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening.